Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're also in the um, village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, which is directly across from Winkies. And we're able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. I have invited my guest today, Dick Schiller, who is with Pavlik Investment Advisors right here in Delafield, Wisconsin. He has also been on the show many times, as has my dear friend Terry Pavlik, has been on the show for years. And it's always a, a great opportunity for me to be able to literally pick up the phone and say, hey, can one of you guys please get on the radio and talk to our listeners and our clients about what's going on in the market? Because one of the things that I have always felt was really important is to educate our clients, but also to educate our listeners and to give them an opportunity to really maybe see things from a, a different perspective. And if there's something that needed to be done to empower them through education to feel that they can make that change, it's often very hard to switch anything. As we know, we, we like things to be the same. But when it comes to our money and when it comes to our futures, I think that it is really important for each one of us to take the responsibility to know what we have, what we own, and what's going to happen in a rising market or a market like we have today. So really, Dick, what I'd like to kind of talk about and help people is to understand um, inflation in the midst of this war, whatever we have going on and what, how that affects their portfolio. And I know that so often people will say, I just want to go into bonds. And I'll say, you know, bonds are risky too. <laughs> and, and they don't really understand it. So if we could spend some time just educating um, our listeners and Dick Schiller, um, along with Terry Pavlik, have been um, partners with Ellen Becker Investment Group for many years. And Dick and Terry manage all of our clients' bonds within our portfolio. So we're talking to the gurus here who I have put my faith and trust in. So Dick, give us a little bit of an idea of what's going on and, and the whole idea with inflation and um, the rising, you know, the rising rates. And in the midst of that, we're seeing real estate go crazy. So it's hard right. to get your arms around it. It really is. It really is. Sure, Karen. Thank you again for uh, for having us again. It's it's a real pleasure to uh, to join you here. So you you touched on a number of really good topical points and and points that are are definitely on our clients' minds. You know, they're they're front and center. We see it every day. The first one being inflation. You know, you you can't think twice before you fill up your pump and think, oh wow, that <laughs> that stung a little more. Or uh, when, maybe when you go to the grocery store, you you try buying. Uh, so I, I couldn't believe I, I'm a Walmart shopper and I couldn't believe how much uh, steaks were at Walmart. Uh, very, very easy to ring up the grocery bill. So what does that mean really for our investors, for bonds, for stocks? Well, in this, it, I guess let's fast forward to, to last year. Inflation really started slowly creeping up, right? We're, the, the prior decade, we targeted 2% and we were often below that level for, for much 
of the of the 2010s, right? Fast forward, we we pull out of COVID. You know, during COVID, inflation fell off, and then after COVID, we had a lot of supply chain issues, uh, and combine that also with very very lax monetary policy. So we're basically flooding the economy. Uh, with cash to keep the whole system moving, right? We wanted to to avoid uh, the Great Depression, really, from from COVID, which many people were were speaking about when we brought our economy to a halt. So, so what did that that do? Well, you know, a monetary policy and and just supportive measures are great, right? They feel awesome. It's almost like a drug. And the hardest part is how do you pull them away? When do you say enough is enough? And the general rule of thumb is when inflation starts to run high, you start tightening monetary policy and you start taking away the stimulative measures from Congress, like the stimulus checks we were talking about last year. So fast forward to 2020, now 2021, now we're into 2022, and the Fed is just now starting to tighten. And the reason why is because we have rampant inflation, right? The latest reading on inflation was 7.9% year-over-year increase. Uh, A lot of that was was due to energy. Uh, A lot of that was due to food costs and all that also due to housing. You touched on on real estate in your opening there. And what, what we were predicting ourselves, the Fed included, let's say Russia, Ukraine, geopolitical conflict never happened. We were thinking that you know inflation was five percent before this uh, geopolitical tensions came in. We thought it might elevate, but as, as supply chains really worked themselves out throughout 2022, we'll come back down to that three four percent level to end 2022. Unfortunately, uh, Ukraine Russia is going on, and our, our hearts go out to everyone who is is dealing with stuff a lot more difficult than what we're dealing with every day. Uh, but what what happened was that energy now has skyrocketed, right? You know, nickel uh, has skyrocketed, wheat has skyrocketed, Ukraine and Russia are one of the largest producers of wheat, mostly for Europe. And you know, there's there's that stat that, well, the US only imports 3% of our oil from Russia. Meanwhile, Europe imports 35% of their oil from Russia. So it's much more a bigger problem for Europe than it is for us. Well, if you take a step back and think about it, the economy is just so global in nature, right? If if you need Europe to replace 35% of their oil and gas from somewhere other than where they're getting it today, well, that also means that demand just increased 35% because they're going to come to the US, they're going to go to Brazil, they're going to go elsewhere in the world. It's not like that just disappeared. So it's really the whole world's uh, dependency on Russian oil and then saying, hey, we're going to turn that off you know, demand and supply really goes back to Econ 101, and, and this is what we have. We have the latest print of 7.9%, uh, which really stinks. So now we have to update our forecast, right, based on the changing data, and the Fed had to update their forecast too. And what they're saying is, you know, we're going to push through what the market is pricing, seven rate hikes, which is an astronomical amount of rate hikes for 2022 to try to tame inflation. You know, you hear the term behind the curve, and uh, maybe they weren't behind the curve before Russia, Ukraine happened. But now that we're getting prints of 7.9%, it's obvious they're behind the curve, and they have a long way to go to increase rates. You know, their second mandate is to keep uh, unemployment low, and we're at 3.8% unemployment rate, which is anything under four is really, really good. You're always going to have some structural unemployment 
Um, so it's the, the second mission, you know, keeping inflation under control that they're failing at incredibly. So how does it relate to you and your portfolio? We, we like to remind people if, uh, although it's, it's stinging at the pump and at the grocery store, <laughs> keep in mind that your house value, like you mentioned, the K-Shiller index is up 35% over the last two years. So mid double digit returns, call it you know 15% per year over the last two years. Real estate is a great natural inflation hedge. That, if that soothes the person who owns their home. Unfortunately, it makes it that much more difficult for the, the renter trying to enter the housing market. Right. And, you know, my my last point before I hand it over and it really impacts the bond portfolio is what happens when the Fed raises rates, the interest, they, they control the shortest end of the curve, the overnight rate called the federal funds rate. As that rate goes up and they telegraph to the market, they're going to push it up. All interest rates rise along that curve, right, from three months to six months, all out 10 years to 30 years. So we've seen all the rates increase. So if you're a borrower, a good rule of thumb for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage is take the 10-year treasury rate. So 2.5% right now, which is up almost one full percent, a little bit less than that versus a quarter ago, and add 200 basis points or 2% to that. You're in that 4.5% range for a 30-year mortgage right now. That a year ago used to be under three. So think about if you're trying to enter the housing market, you have house prices that are up 35% over the last two years and a mortgage interest rate that is also up 50%. These are duplicative, right? They compound on one another. So it's making housing affordability that much more unaffordable. On the other side of the token, when the yield curve rises, think about our bond portfolios, how we structure it, we're getting 10% back and maturities at the very least, if bonds aren't called, it's more than that. But we're getting 10% back that's maturing every single year. So when that money comes back in the door with its final interest payment, we get to go out and redeploy that capital. If there were no called bonds in the middle of the ladder, we go out to 10 years out. So that's 2032. And what I, I wanna make sure I leave you with, when we're purchasing bonds out there in 2032 this year, those rates of interest that we're getting right now are over four and a half percent. So it's usually the 10 year treasury rate plus a credit spread in the investment grade bond world. Four and a half percent is a really, really good return. I think most people, especially retirees would be happy if they say I can you know, lock in four and a half percent until maturity. That's pretty good. I We couldn't offer that to clients last year. Last year, our average portfolio was closer to you know, two and a half to 3% on a weighted average basis across that first maturity year, year one, you know, you had a very, very low rate out to your 10, maybe you're at 3%. Now the yield curve has both moved up and it is flattened. So year one, we're talking two and a half percent. If you want to lock in your money for one year, you know, we can find a great investment grade bond for you to make two and a half percent. If you can go all the way out to 10 years, that's four and a half percent. So then you look at, okay, we get new money today. Let's put it to work 10% per year over the next 10 years. On a weighted average basis, that return right now is 3.75%. And that's holding to maturity. That's really good. This is a good thing for, for bond investors, especially if you're looking at what's going on 
equities, you know, we sold off 12% in the quarter and then we've rallied back we're close to we're near <laughs> record highs now. Maybe some people are thinking to themselves, you know, I felt a little uncomfortable a month ago, come, come March when we were down 13%. I couldn't sleep at night. You know, now is a great time when things are again, really rosy in the stock market. Maybe we should be thinking about trying to be proactive and getting a little bit more conservative. And when I can tell someone, Hey, if we go out 10 years, if we can lock in your, you know, please just, you know, the, the, it eats up your return. If you want to buy and sell stocks or buy and sell bonds, buy and sell bonds, like, Hey, hold this to maturity. You can make 4.6%. Are you happy with that? And they say, yes, sign me up all day. And, and let's you know make a, a tactical shift. Maybe we're moving 10% of the portfolio from, you know, stocks into bonds. We're, we're trying not to time the market 100% one way, 100% the other, uh, but also just to feel like we're doing something. We're being proactive. We're, we're responding to what's going on. I think that really puts the, the client and us at ease too, right? We're, we're doing the same thing with, with our portfolios here. So I'll stop there. That was a lot to digest, but uh, <laughs> hopefully that gives a, a good intro. I think that's great. My guest today is Dick Schiller, and he is with Pavlik Investment Advisors in Delafield, Wisconsin. He himself is a wealth advisor and a wealth manager. And as I said earlier, um, both he and Terry Pavlik manage all of our bond portfolios for our clients. And so I'd like to take the next segment for us to talk about the different types of bonds, because you didn't mention the quality of bonds. And I think very often people will say to me, I want to go I want to go into bonds. I want to sell everything and to go into bonds. And a lot of times they'll say, I saw a bond for four or five or 6%. And I'll say, well, there's risk there. And they, they hear the word bond and they think that there is no risk or they don't understand the different types of qualities. And then I'd like to also explain a little bit later how we implement the bond portfolios from you and our portfolios. So with that, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And if you would like to know more about me or our firm or other advisors, you can go to ellenbecker.com. My guest today is Dick Schiller, and he is with the Pavlik Investment Advisors. And we've been talking about how to understand inflation in the midst of this, of, of war. And, you know, we've gone through wars, you know, all through history, and they always do sort of uh, poke at inflation. So it's nothing new, um, certainly not to someone like you and Terry who have studied all these markets and it gives you the insight as to how to really be, as you said, proactive. And that's the one thing that is very important um, in our portfolios. And I love it that we're a smaller firm and we can move very, very nimbly um, and make adjustments as the world turns, so to speak. But you know, one of the things that people will often say to me is maybe it's time for me to go into um, some bonds. I saw some great interest rates um, and I'll look at that, whatever they're showing me and say, wow, that's a pretty risky, you know, endeavor. And so a lot of times people just take for granted that bonds are very safe, but there's 
different qualities. And often someone in their portfolio will look and say, you know, I bought this $10,000 bond and now it's only worth $9,500. And they don't really understand a discounted bond and a premium bond and the whole concept of holding it to maturity. So that's a great big, that's a laundry list for you to cover in the segment. <laughs> Sure, definitely, Karen. Yes, you're 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 exactly right. So so there are risks with bonds. These aren't risk-free interest rates or, or interest products. That said, when we hold bonds, we always hold investment-grade bonds, and we want to be above usually two or three notches, according to the S and P and Moody's. They're the two largest bond rating agencies. Uh, if we get a Fitch bond rating, that's even better. If we can get all three. We want to be investment grade or better, and we usually want to be two or three rungs above their rating system so that we're not on the verge of a downgrade to below investment grade. Our policy is if a bond falls below investment grade, we're going to sell it. And to be honest, when we sell it, we're probably going to take a, a haircut on the principal value. That's, that's happened very, very rarely uh, across the EIG portfolios, which is, is good. I think we're we do that because we're trying to be two or three rungs above. We've definitely gone from two or three rungs above where we need to sell it to one rung down. Uh, and, and we see that more during tougher economic times. So we've never had to be forced sellers. So what that also means is we, we don't have bonds default. It's, it's extremely rare if you have an investment grade bond that ever defaults. Usually they get downgraded below investment grade. Uh, into the high yield market, which when, when you had mentioned, hey, I see these great returns out there in bonds, the, the most of them are in the high yield market. Uh, right now, with probably some staggering five, 6% rates of return. Um, so when we're focusing on just investment grade, keep in mind, you know, we're, we're, we want to protect absolutely against default. If, if there is no default, I can guarantee you that at maturity, we are going to get our $100 per bond back along with interest payments throughout the course uh, of the time that the bond has not matured. So when, you know, keeping that in mind, we're, we're in the investment grade section only. Now, there are also times where even though we're in investment grade bonds, the bond prices do fluctuate. So you're exactly right. You, when, you, when you mentioned 9,500 versus, hey, I purchased this at 10,000, we, we're seeing that a lot actually because bond prices and interest rates have an inverse relationship. So uh, this is called interest rate risk. When interest rates rise as they are now, bond prices go down. Now, if you have a bond that's 10 years to maturity versus a bond that's one year to maturity, you know, guess which one's going to move more volatile to the rate of interest rates? Well, the one-year maturity, I know in one year I'm getting 100 bucks back. So that bond, I think of it as moving maybe between 99 to 101, you know, maybe 102. But at the end of the day, the, everyone knows in the market, I'm getting 100 bucks back in a year. If you look at that bond that's out to 10 years out, that's totally within the normal realm of, of movement for prices to go from 95, 90, and then on the other side, maybe even trade at a premium to go up to 105 or 110. Uh, we're, we're seeing that uh, a lot. And then the other thing, if, if you know, I'm speaking more about just fixed rate bonds, if you have variable rate bonds, those can be even more wild in price swings, right? So you can talk about something that was at 100 that's now at 80. When the yield curve is very steep, it's actually going to be the opposite. Something that was at 100 is now priced at 120. So the way we manage our 
direct corporate bond investments at Pavlik and at Ellen Becker Investment Group is we really only focus on only direct investment grade corporate bonds where we are locking in our purchase price, we're locking in our yield if it's a fixed rate bond, we're accepting the average yield if it's a variable rate bond, and our intention and the only reason why it wouldn't be an intention if it's either downgraded below investment grade or if the client says, hey, I knew I said I'd give you five years, but I'm sorry, I really need the money now, right? And we're, we're in a forced liquidation sale. That's when we're, we're like, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll accept what the market is for that bond today. But if neither of those two factors come into play, we're getting our $100 back at maturity. So bonds that we are getting back today, this year, we're able to redeploy 10 years out. And again, I mentioned in the last segment, that rate right now is over four and a half percent. That's pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm really happy locking in all those yields all day long. That said, maybe next year and the year after that, that rate is five and a half percent. Maybe it's 6% next year. I, I don't know what interest rates, where they are going. I don't want to make a bet on that. That's really hard to do, but our strategy is set up so that we're we're not getting rid of interest rate risk, but we're managing to interest rate risk because whether the rates go up or down, I know next year I'm going to get another 10% of the portfolio back and I'm going to redeploy to the best available, highest couponing, highest earning uh, bond position available to me out there 10 years from now. Uh, and then one last thing I just want to, to add on, on your comment uh, of just you know mutual funds versus investment grade direct corporate bonds. There are pros and cons to each. Uh, we, we can probably talk about this in the full segment uh, in, in the next 10 minute segment. But just really quickly, there's usually a lot of interest rate risk associated with mutual funds and there's no set maturity date, right? You're just, you're holding a bond mutual fund and you're holding to perpetuity, right? Whenever you sell the mutual fund, there's no, hey, I'm getting my money back and then I'm gonna redeploy later down in the capital stack. So there are a lot of very, very popular bond funds. And we, we look at these, we, we dig into what are the holdings underneath these mutual funds. And a lot of times we're seeing average duration of 10 years, sometimes longer, 12 years. You know, Average duration is the average maturity in the bond portfolio. So if you think our portfolio, because we're 10% over 10 years, the average of that portfolio is usually four and a half to five years. That's our duration for the Pavlik portfolio. You know, we're, that, that's the average maturity across our ladder. Also, some of the yields that uh, some of these bond mutual funds are getting, we just find them to be below. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you, know, you can really be out 10 years as your average duration or average maturity, and you're, you're earning 2% in yield, right? That, to me, in this market, that number should be higher, 3 4%. Uh, similar to what we're doing in the investment grade bonds, um, the you know the the downfall right of investment grade it can't be perfect otherwise everyone would do it. Uh, it does take more skill, right? It, you know you have to know what you're doing. You have to be very comfortable with you know yield to maturities, yield to worse, yield to calls. Uh, you have to be you know you're you're buying a company, so you have to know what the underlining company is doing, right? You're buying the bond of let's say Oracle or or Air Lease or Reynolds American or some bonds we've recently bought. Uh, we, we wanna be comfortable with the financial health of those companies. And then lastly, there are more transaction costs if you're gonna be buying and selling. And that's why we're trying not to do that, right? We're trying to buy a great portfolio and then keep redeploying that 10% every year. 
um, you know, that those transaction costs are driven by one custodial transaction fees. Uh, generally, we custody at, at Charles Schwab, it's a, a dollar per bond. Uh, and we don't want to be paying that if we don't have to. But then also there's a spread, a bid ask spread. And that's the larger expense, right? That can be one to 2% sometimes. So if I go out there today, buy a bond for 101 tomorrow, and I say, hey, you know what? I changed my mind. I'm going to sell it. Schwab will say, okay, here's 99 bucks back. Well, where, where did 2% of my asset value go, right? Uh, so that with rates as low as they are, but albeit rising, we still don't want to chew up uh, the, the return we're getting with transaction costs. Uh, mutual funds, you have usually a mutual fund sale. Sometimes there's a fee for that. Sometimes there's not. But uh, you know that fee might be 25 bucks, 35 bucks. But there, there's not a spread that you're dealing with uh, with buying mutual funds. So there is a little bit more liquidity on the mutual fund side. I think the other thing, just before we take our break, to mention also is our clients. We do have. Um, mutual funds with bonds in our clients' portfolios. And I'll go into that a little bit later because we need the quick liquidity sometimes. But the majority, probably 80 to 85% of our clients' bonds are in actual bonds where they own the bonds. So when you have a mutual fund, you don't actually own the bonds. So even in the mutual fund, if there are um, guaranteed bonds or there's high quality bonds, you still don't have that because you're in this pot um, and it's absorbed within there. So all you really have is the price per share and what you could sell is the price per share of the, of the mutual fund that you have. Whereas we really feel that it's important that our clients own their own bonds. And so I think we're a little bit over on this one, Dick. So I think we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Dick Schiller. Dick um, and his partner, Terry Pavlik, they manage our bond portfolios. And as I spoke to a little bit earlier, we really believe that it's important that our clients own their own bonds. We like to offset the ownership of those bonds with some money in mutual funds. Um, it's a small amount typically because we like to have liquidity just as, as Dick said earlier, sometimes people think they're gonna be able to stay in something a long time, but we all know that life changes and we can't always predict what's gonna happen. And sometimes we need money for a new car or a new roof or a kid or, or something else. And we need to have that liquidity. But I'd like to just take a few minutes to explain how we work with Pavlik and how we work with our clients around their bond portfolios because our style is very unique. And what's interesting is as I grew up in the financial world and as a stockbroker, and now of course having my own company, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary. I found it often very hard for people to share their recipe of what they were doing. And I think it was because people felt somebody would steal it, or maybe they didn't think there was enough clients to, you know, and, and they hold, they held on so tight to anything that they had. And I feel really absolutely the opposite. I think that we have a obligation to share with other people and with the public um, ideas that we have that I think are really good and can be helpful. And so one of the ways that we use our bond portfolios 
is, and our clients know this, but our listeners may not, is that we like to think about how much money do you need on an annual basis to take out of your portfolio? And let's say you take out $5,000 a month out of your portfolio, and that gets added to your social security or pensions or whatever else you have. We like to say that we want to have five to seven years worth of income in your portfolio so that if we do go through a a declining market like we had just recently uh, for a very short time, thank goodness, we have this ability to know that at a certain point every single year, whatever you need for that year is coming due. So we have $60,000 socked away. And the what Terry and Dick do is they ladder those bonds out for us. So I know regardless of what's going to happen in the world, that I have the income that you need to live on coming due every single year. And if we have an unexpected expense, I've got money set aside in the mutual funds. That is a really nice and easy way to determine what you need and what is going to keep you safe and that your lifestyle doesn't have to change. Sometimes you might have to cut back a little bit or reevaluate where you are. But if you manage to put that money away every year, and if you have the individual portfolio of high quality bonds, you're really very safe in that situation. The other thing that we do is we offset our bonds with high quality stocks. And in a market that's down, I love it because they pay dividends and we get to buy at a lower price. And so the portfolio that we create works in a, in a rising market and it works efficiently in a declining market. And that's what you want to really know and sit down and talk with your advisors. I feel very blessed. As you know, Campbell Newman has been on the show many times. And here we have Dick Schiller from Pavlik Investments. Um, our managers work together for us. And I, I'm sitting here looking at Dick in his eyes and, and he knows me and he knows how I want to manage money and how I want to protect my clients. And that is not a typical situation with most advisors or brokers. They don't have the ability to literally um, have people on the radio that we work with, um, the confidence of knowing who's managing your money and your client's money is really important. And so I took a long time to explain that, Dick, but I think it's really important um, also that because you're a small company and nimble, you can go out into the market and you can purchase bonds that most people can't purchase. Yeah, exactly right, Karen. You touched on a lot of great points. You know, we, we feel the same way. Uh, we, we just updated our, our website and we include uh, one uh, links to the Ellen Becker radio show to this radio show. We, we include links to our quarterly newsletter. Uh, we want to share our latest thoughts, whether, you know, your clients or, or not, you know, and we, we open it up to not only friends in email distribution list, but, uh, but also to the World Wide web, right? Anyone can go and, and listen to these. And I, I know that your radio shows are also public on your website. I, I think that's great. I think people appreciate uh, that and, the, the downside may be what clients say, you know, but I'm, I'm a client because I, I want privileged access to just what you're saying. And I've never heard that before in my career. I don't think you've heard that. I, I don't no. think any clients are, are saying, well, you know, share it with only me and not anyone else. And I don't think we really lose our, our competitive advantage per se. No. We, it, I think that's more of a stereotype and we are small. We are nimble. We're, we're not out there buying hundreds of millions of dollars worth of bonds. We're, 
we're actually so small and so nimble that we are going account by account, uh, yes. name by name, client <laughs> by client, looking through their bond portfolio. And, uh, you know, some of these accounts, you know, on, on average, probably $200,000, but some of these accounts, if, if it's $100,000, we're looking at buying you know, 10 bonds here, 10 bonds there, 10 bonds there. Some accounts are smaller, some accounts are, are much larger, but the, the key is the same. Uh, we're going individual account by account by account. Uh, and that takes a lot of time, but that that's where we add our value, right? That's that's why we're not just buying a basket of, of mutual funds. And we believe that, that, you know, one thing we didn't talk about in the last session with mutual funds is there is an expense ratio for those. So remember, yes. you're, you're essentially, you're paying your advisor, but you're also paying the, the manager of that mutual fund to be going out and, and making those bond purchases we're kind of a two for one deal, right? You, you get, <laughs> you know, you, you get chips and fries with it. So <laughs> it, it really works out pretty well. And I think what, what you were talking about earlier with some of the market volatility that we had earlier this year, the, the nice thing about having 10% of your bond mature every single year is that it forces you to rebalance and it forces yes. you to rebalance by all of a sudden you have this cash inflow. So for our clients that were fortunate enough to have a February 15th, the March 1st, uh, March 1st maturity, well, that answer was pretty easy for us. We were like, stocks are down 10, 12%. Uh, you know, we, at, at your end uh, of 12, 31, 21, we were balanced to your uh, desired asset allocation. And although things look grim, uh, it felt terrible to do, right? But all of a sudden you get this cash influx from the bond maturity. And you might say, you know what? And even though rates are really great out 2032, let's take that bond proceeds and redeploy it into a, a basket of super high quality stocks. Uh, and, and we did that with a number of accounts. Some, some accounts say, but hey, you know, on the other hand, if I can get four and a half percent, 20, uh, 10 years out and, and we can bank on that income, or if we're buying a bond for a discount, that appreciation and par value up to a hundred at maturity value. Some people are like, that's how, you know, I, stocks are, are not for me. Maybe I'm too old for that. Maybe I'm too young. Maybe I just don't like watching my money go up and down uh, every single day. And it gives me heartburn watching all the numbers go across the screen. And that's that's totally fine. This this is a personality <laughs> business as well, right? There is a psychology to it. But my worst nightmare as an advisor is to have a client that can't sleep at night, right? Well, then that's the, I was just gonna say. I sleep at night, and our clients sleep at night, and 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 you sleep at night, right? Because of the way we invest, the way we approach our portfolios from such a high quality position. And what's really nice for people to understand is that when the market's up, you can live or take income from stocks that have appreciated. But when the market's down, you've got those bonds. But when the market's up, those bonds are reinvested in a, in a way that the cash and all the dividends come or the interest income comes into the portfolio and you buy more bonds. Right. So it's a win-win. It is. It is. It. What bonds do to your portfolio is it lowers the overall total portfolio volatility. So last year, for instance, stocks were up 25%. I'm never going to take a bond portfolio and make a 25% return, <laughs> no matter how good the bond manager is. <laughs> I don't care who he is. That is, is the power of stocks. 
but also on the same token, just in the first six weeks of the year, we were sitting there down 13% in the broader equity markets. We weren't down that much in bonds. And if we're holding to maturity, we're really locking in our, our, our yield that we're earning. So although you know yields are up, bond prices are down, that bond that we're holding that's maturing in 2022, again, the price isn't moving that much because I don't really have interest rate risk because it's going to be 100 at maturity. So there when you're looking just at an asset allocation level, where should I be? Where's the best risk reward? You know, a lot of uh, the, the very common phrase you'd hear a lot was TINA over the last couple of years. And that stands for there is no alternative to stocks. <laughs> and that was because, you know, bond portfolio, maybe a 10-year treasury rate was 1% and a bond portfolio maybe could give you 2.5%. Now, all of a sudden, our what I view as a very conservative investment grade bond short duration portfolio offering near 4%, that's, per, that's, a new, that's an alternative. There, there is an alternative. So I, I think that it's, it's a really interesting time to be in the markets, to be in bonds and stocks. I think investors, the great thing is we now have more options. That I, I think that TINA acronym is starting to fade. Um, and one last point that I, I want to make before we, we go to break, there's, I think it's kind of a misconception, this line, well, why would I ever buy bonds if inflation is 7.9%? You're not going to make me 7.9%. And my response back is, well, look at the first six weeks of the year. If you own stocks, you're down 13. Plus inflation, well, you're down 13 plus seven and a half, right? So you're down 21%. If you own bonds, well, I made 3%. I'm down you know, 8% on a real basis, net of inflation. Okay, you're down five. And then if I just sat in cash and there's nothing, cash in a bank account, well, your real rate, you're down eight because you lost all the inflationary power. So bonds down five, cash down eight, stocks down 20. I'll take the down five in that first uh, six weeks yes. of the year. So that's the power that bonds really add. Uh, you know, lowers portfolio volatility and we, we, it gives your portfolio a base. I think people also um, don't realize that when you're trying to figure out what the return on your money is, you have to look at everything, stocks, bonds, the cash that's sitting in the bank, the cash that's not earning anything in the safe. I mean, really, if you're really looking at, at what you're doing. But one of the things that I think is important just as we close out this session is that if you take the client that I was talking about earlier that takes $5,000 a month and they need $60,000 a year to live on out of their portfolio and you multiply that times seven, you've got 430,000. So you literally, we would have probably somewhere between 430 and 500,000 of their portfolio um, in in um, bonds. Now, there that helps you to understand what should your balance be between stocks and bonds based on your portfolio. People are mm -hmm. always asking, well, what? how much should I have in stocks? How much should I have in bonds? And basically, for me, it's how much do you need to spend? And right. you know, we put away five years because we've never seen a market down five years. In two years, for 
you know, something unpredictable expenses that might come up. So just by having a plan and a structure, um, you can reduce volatility, you can reduce risk, you can deal with inflation, and it makes life a lot better. And one of the things I like to say is we sleep at night. We're going to take a quick break. My guest today is Dick Schiller. He's with Public Investment Advisors right in Delafield, Wisconsin. And they, between him and Terry, they do manage all of our individual bond portfolios. And with that, we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Dick Schiller. He is with Public Investment Advisors right here in Delafield. They're the brains behind our bond portfolios, and they have done an absolutely amazing job. Um, many of my listeners are always my clients, but many are not. And if you would like any additional information, please give us a call at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I guess, Dick, we don't have a whole lot of minutes left, four or five. What would you recommend to our listeners today who are trying to get their arms around their portfolio? And um, as I always say, nobody jumps off of a roller coaster when it's moving. That would be a very dangerous mm-hmm. thing. So you either better decide before, or you better decide to sit on it when you get off. You know, either don't do it exactly. at all or do. But what would you suggest for our listeners today? Yeah, and, and that roller coaster is the, the plan that you have in place with your advisor, with, with your Ellen Becker wealth advisor. You know, the, the, we're always going to be on a roller coaster, right? There, there's never a time in history where there were zero risks. And we will constantly get, and I think the, the term is, is called, well, in the markets, just panic attacks. Probably four, five, six panic attacks a year, right? Well, you know, the Fed tightening. Uh, Russia, Ukraine, high inflation. We've already had three panic attacks in the first three months of the year. Maybe we're on pace for double digits this year. <laughs> but really, that that's to be expected. And that's so much easier said than done, right? And this, this is an emotional investing. Your money is an incredibly emotional topic. Uh, especially if if you're watching the headlines, watching the news, there there are things that trigger psychologically inside the brain. Like especially when we see the the travesties of what war brings out. Oh my gosh! Like I I, I need to do something, uh, and maybe that is to get more conservative. Maybe we saw when the markets were down 13 percent. You know, you saw this and you said, yeah, I, I kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe with inflation, I see the light at the end of the tunnel with the war. And maybe I should be selling bonds or taking that bond ma- that matured in February or March and redeploying it back into stocks. You know, I, I have three, four, five years. I think that's a great time horizon. If you can say, no, I don't need this, this money for five years. You know, you could have bought stocks in October of 2007 at the worst possible time heading right into the Great uh, Recession, the worst recession we've had since the Great Depression. And although you took a heck of a roller coaster ride, you made whole, uh, made it back to the base camp uh, by 2012, five years. And I, I hope this isn't October 2007 uh, in 2022. But really just keeping that in mind, if you have a long-term time horizon, stay the uh, course, talk to your advisor. But also, I, I, the client should never feel uncomfortable ever. Uh, we're very open. If, if you would like to to have us join uh, on a Teams call uh, or a phone call, we're, we're very happy, Terry and I both, to, to join in and uh, help have those conversations, especially as it relates to the bonds and the portfolio. Dick, is this a time, um, I know that 
people always think that in many cases you can buy a stock and just let it sit there or buy a bond and just let it sit, sit there. Our portfolios are actively managed because I don't believe that it's like a Thanksgiving turkey that you stick it in the oven and you know, and you, you don't even have to look at it. I think that we need to be looking at portfolios. We need to be proactive. We need to understand what's going on in the world and make changes when necessary. I 100% agree. Uh, I'm an active manager by heart. That's my career. Uh, that you know, I, I believe that we can add value by by really simple tweaks. So, for example, energy stocks, material stocks, uh, those have gone parabolic and rightfully so because the cost of the price of gallon of gas, the price of crude, the price of wheat, the price of nickel, all those things have gone parabolic. But I also see that you know, maybe this time next year, we're not talking about Russia, Ukraine, it's going to be something else. And those prices will come back down to earth. And therefore, those stocks come back down to earth. Uh, I, I think this is the perfect example of a good stock pickers market. Uh, active management is not dead, it will never go away. And uh, I, I will believe that until I die. And if you're not sleeping at night, Call your advisor. If your advisor is not talking to you, call us. That's what I would say. Exactly. Because we will definitely talk to you. If you have a bond portfolio, Pavlik would be happy to sit down with us and evaluate it and let you know the quality of it. And if there's any changes that need to be made, um, we really do want to share um, our recipe because I believe that our recipe is really good. My guest today is Dick Schiller. He's with Pavlik Investment Advisors right here in Delafield, Wisconsin. And Dick, you and Terry have done a wonderful job and have become friends, friends of Ellen Becker, friends now on the radio and friends of our clients. And I just want to say one thing, as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend. Thank you.